0: so kind, staring out into space, asking God to hear my case, trying to think of all things past,
1: how long will my memory last, the purple angel,
0: purple angel.
2: Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm Lori LeBay, the host and founder of Alzheimer's Speaks. We're going to have a great show for you, today, for you today, but prior to starting, we always get new listeners, so I'm just going to tell you a little bit about Alzheimer's Speaks and who we are and what we do. Bottom line, Alzheimer's Speaks is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort around the world. And we believe um, really strongly in joining forces and sharing knowledge and just having these everyday conversations about life with dementia. We really think that's the only way we're ever going to make any ground in terms of removing stigmas and providing services uh, is by hearing what are the needs of our communities and our people and our families and professionals who are all dealing with this disease. We also believe at our core that collaboration is the only way that we're going to win this um, battle against dementia. And I have to say we know that 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 approach is working. You see, because of all of your likes, your clicks, your shares with your Facebook friends, your LinkedIn colleagues, your Twitter tribes, your Pinterest peeps, um, you have had a huge impact on Alzheimer's Speaks. And you are actually the ones that got us recognized as the number one influencer online Regarding Alzheimer's, according to ShareCare and Dr. Oz. So, I really encourage you to continue to like and share these programs because the more we can push information and content out to the general public and to our own personal spheres, the more likely somebody in need is going to grab them and they're not going to feel as isolated. Mm Um, we also um, thanks to you and in pushing us out, were recognized as an architect of change for humanity um, through maria shriver's work and um, that was just quite quite the surprise and you know we were we were thrilled about that but both of those designations um, we really share with with our listeners because we don't believe that we're doing any of this on our own. we really believe that it's the collaboration that is making the difference out there. I also want to let you know that maybe you, our next listener, is uh, is a perfect guest. Um, here at Alzheimer's Speaks, we try to raise everyone's voice. So that goes from the person who is actually diagnosed with dementia to family members to um, friends and advocates, researchers, professionals in the industry, authors, authors, um, We've had musicians. We've had uh, movie directors. <clears throat> we have had uh, gals playing football for the cause. It, it, there is no end to where this conversation can go. And, again, we really feel that it takes all of us um, to talk about these things and inspire one another in terms of making a difference in our care culture. So please reach out to me at 651 748 Seven four eight four seven one four, 748-4714, or you can always shoot me an email at Lori, and I spell that, L-O-R-I, at AlzheimerSpeaks.com. Uh, let me see, what else do I want to tell you? We are still going on our cruise in November, and we would love for you to join us. We are going to have a fabulous symposium, and uh, we're going on a seven-day cruise to the Bahamas, and we have an excellent team pulled together. Uh, Harry Urban, Michael Ellenbogen, uh, Lori Shearer, and Mary Reed all are going to be speakers. All are diagnosed with dementia. And then we have Becky Watson, who is a music therapist, and Cindy Leszczynski, who heads up Northern Colorado's dementia-friendly community there, who's doing some really cool things, along with myself. So you can just go to alzheimerspeaks.com, find out more. There's a video you can play. You can print out the program um, to see what all we're going to be discussing over that time period and you know what ports we're going to be going to. Let's see. Um, the Newman Long-Term Care Group is also giving away five copies of Maria Shriver's new coloring book called Coloring Your Mind which is really great, and it, is, um, it, it has tips um, along with coloring. It has um, general education in it. So, again, you can go to alzheimerspeaks.com and click on our blog to get more information there. And then I also want to um, mention last is we have pulled together helpful tips when dealing with dementia. And this is a free trifold download. Um, So feel free to go ahead and grab that. It has just a lot of little tips um, when you're dealing with dementia that we wanted to share with you. So let me introduce our guest today, very excited to have, uh, have this woman with us. She is a uh, super impactful and really a wonderful voice for dementia um, as a whole. Her name is Susan McCauley, and she was the primary care partner for her mom who lived with dementia. And she feels that she is a a better dementia care advocate because of that process. She also does um, facilitates workshops, and she's a real prolif- prolific um, blogger. She has also developed a program called BANGS B A N G S, which is an approach to help care partners reduce um, aggression and calm, uh, challenging situations which can arise when dementia hits. So Susan, I'm just
1: thrilled to have you with us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Lori, and I'm also thrilled to be with you. (laughs) I've been following you for a long, long time, and I wish I'd found you sooner in my journey. But um, anyhow, it's it's just a, a real pleasure to be here. I'm delighted.
2: Well, good. I, um, I, you know, it takes all of us and so many of us have gotten involved because of our personal journeys and just kind of taken a stand in terms of, you know, things can be better. And I, I love talking to people like yourself because you really come from a center of passion and purpose um, to really make life better for the next guy out there. So I so appreciate that. Do you mind sharing with our audience before we kind of get into our formal talking points in terms of, um, you know, when was your mom diagnosed and and what was that experience like for you and your family?
1: Well, my mom was diagnosed in uh, 2006 and at the time, I was living overseas. I was a, had been an expat for about 13 years at that point. I lived in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. And I would come home twice, well, once a year at that point, and then it increased to twice a year after 2006. Uh, and, you know, I had seen, because I was away and it, and I was coming back and forth and, and I wasn't there all the time. It was really easy for me to see the changes that were happening and perhaps less so for other family members. And so it really, I I noticed, you know, all the typical things, uh, memory declining fairly rapidly, uh, things like finding the phone in, in odd places, keys in the freezer, all of those kinds of things. And, Um, I watched sort of at a distance as this rolled out over five years, and in 2011, I decided that I felt she just couldn't live in her own home anymore. She was living in a great big house out in the country, and she was unable to, to cook for herself anymore. She'd lost a lot of weight, about 20 pounds, and I really was pushing the person who lived more my sibling who lived closer by to provide her with more care but that just wasn't happening so i decided to abandon my life in dubai and return to rural canada to take care of mom in her own home one on one wow that's a big 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 commitment um
2: you know it's one thing when they're in your community but when you are you know overseas um, that's a that can be a real challenge in in commitment. Did you have any doubts in terms of what you were doing?
1: Oh, absolutely! I dragged myself kicking and screaming <laughs> from my <laughs> overseas posting. Well, I you know it was an agonizing decision because I had a I had an amazing life. Mm-hmm. I had my own business. Um, I was. You know lived in a in a very nice area. I made good money tax free it was it was really an amazing existence and and I gave all of that up. you know I'm not I, I don't want anyone's pity and I'm not a martyr, not in the least. but um, I didn't also didn't have any caregiving skills. Mm-hmm. None whatsoever. I didn't even have children okay so yeah it was a completely new experience for me and so i went from living in the city to being in the nearest town was seven miles away so i was in the country completely it was mum and i together 24 7 for the first several months until i was able to get uh support outside support care workers to come in and so it was a complete change of of life and, um, yeah, I was, I was, it was like jumping off a cliff. Mm-hmm.
2: I would imagine how did your, um, and I just want to ask you one other question. Cause I just find this always fascinating, the dynamics of the family. How did your family react to you coming, coming in and getting involved? Cause I know that that sometimes isn't always received <laughs> well.
1: Well, that's, that's, uh, an understatement. <laughs> it's, it uh, it actually ended in, in war, mm. essentially. Uh, the family was torn apart. Um, I wanted my mom to have more and better care, and other family members wanted her to have less and cheaper care. Mm-hmm. And so situation the situation deteriorated over time, and it still has not been resolved. Mom is died a year ago this month actually a year ago next week and there's still disputes uh, between myself and my sibling
2: Uh
1: so it's sad it's really sad yeah
2: yeah and that can happen with families that can definitely happen with families well hopefully we can honor your mom today in terms of talking about what you've what you've learned through this experience I'm a big one and Terms of, of taking the negative and making it a positive, and and um, from the work that I see you've done, you've definitely pushed things forward and um, seem to have that philosophy as well. You know, making the best out of a situation. If this is if this is what's going to happen, well, you know, let's figure out the whys and um, help the next guy in line, <clears throat> so it's not quite as difficult. So kudos to you. Why don't you tell us um, a little bit more? Um, about um, you know how you want to help others not make the same mistakes, I know that you you mentioned this. so what kind of mistakes do you feel that you made?
1: Well, some of them some of the things I did were like a lot of caregivers uh, were done out of ignorance. And uh, I had I knew nothing of the disease when I came back to take care of mom. As I said, I knew nothing about caregiving, and I was drafted into this role that I really didn't want to be in. And so I did all the, the, the things that caregivers or a lot of caregivers do. I argued with her. I didn't put myself in, in her shoes. Uh, I failed to look at the world from her perspective. Um, to, just to give you an example, when I first came back, I had, as you can imagine, I had quite a, a load of baggage that I brought with me—all uh, different kinds of baggage, <laughs> <laughs> physical baggage and emotional baggage as well. But on the on the physical side, I had uh, these three, five, five or six big suitcases full of clothes, which were. I took into the the living room because I couldn't she lived in a two-story house and I couldn't carry these all these big bags upstairs myself they were way too heavy so I'd put them on the living room floor and open them up and I was unpacking them slowly over a period of time so I would take some things out and carry them upstairs and hang them in my closet and do a little bit each day and having these suitcases open and spilling out all over her living room floor as you can imagine caused my mom to have a great deal of anxiety
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you know she she kept asking me when are you going to to empty these suitcases And instead of doing it I I kept you know saying well it was I was almost like a teenager yeah I I will mom <laughs> <laughs> I will <laughs> and you know I I, I really didn't understand how that situation was impacting her and her her well-being and her uh, level of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I could have so easily corrected it. And so it was little things like that and the, the arguing, definitely. You know, she would say black and I would say white. And I tried to use logic. I tried to use rational arguments, none of which, as you well know, work.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Yep. Yeah. But we we do what we've always done until we kind of get batted over the head enough times to go, oh, maybe we need a different approach (laughs) to, to what it is we're dealing with. But it is amazing sometimes how long it takes us to learn that. And I think Pretty much every care partner goes through that. You know, it's just like if we just get into this routine, if you just get into my routine, if we go back to the way it was, it will be smooth instead of realizing they can't come into our routine anymore. They can't enter that world. And so really it's much easier for us to adjust. But we, we get so stubborn, you know, and I say we because I, I was right there with you. And I think I think most who have cared have gone through the same you know, the same situation, you argue that, no, this, this will be easier. And, you know, as the saying goes, when mom is happy, the whole world is happy, you know, and and we don't, we don't really take that to heart when we're arguing with somebody with dementia, uh, trying to tell them, you know, to do things a little bit differently. And um, how long did it take you to kind of figure that out?
1: Do you remember? (laughs) It happened over a period of, couple of years mm-hmm. you know that I made I made little inroads like in the first in the first month or two uh, I definitely got the better not to argue
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: down pat um, but there were little adjustments that I had to make and continue continued to make and um, surely I learned a lot during that time when we were uh, living together, and I learned even more when she went into a long-term care facility a year later.
0: Mm-hmm. But you
1: know, I really feel that um, we we're that caregivers are caregivers, and everyone, in fact, is, is overwhelmed. We're all overwhelmed and fed this um, the the negative narrative about dementia and and Alzheimer's disease in particular. And all of the behaviors that it causes you know people are told that uh, when people have alzheimer 's disease that they become violent, they become aggressive, they become anxious they they wander, and I use i i hate that term um, but we we give these labels to behavior that is actually quite a normal response to circumstances under which anyone would behave the same way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, if, if, if somebody took you and, and locked you in your home or took you somewhere and, and locked you in a place where you didn't know anyone and uh, the people around you all seem to be crazy, well, of course you would react. Of course you would w- want to try to get out. Mm-hmm. Of course you would have uh, behaviors that people might consider challenging. So to me, we need to, I believe we need to shift our perspective around what exactly are the symptoms of the disease? What does it, what are, what does it cause people to, to do? You know, what happens? And how are the behaviors either related or not related to the disease? Because if we say that the, that it's the disease that's causing these these behaviors, then we don't have a chance to adjust our own behavior and have a greater impact on the result.
2: Which is very true because most people are, they're not looking at their own behavior, they're looking at the behavior, which is really just a reaction that, you know, like you said, anybody, anybody reacts, everyone reacts to different situations, but it's our attitude and our perceptions that causes our reaction. And it's not always, um, the re the reaction that is the issue, it's our judgment that it's now a problem because it doesn't fit into what, exactly. what we want. And, and it's amazing that we, ha- you know, if we, if we put the hat on that says, you know, really they're more similar to us than different, then we don't go. I, I found anyways that we don't go there so fast and we start looking for, The why? Why did they react like that? And then we try to remove some of those trigger points, um, which is what we would do with a child, you know, which is something we, you know, do throughout our day. But for some reason, with a person with dementia, we want to hold them on to this pedestal state and say, "No, you must follow the rules. You must react to my wishes," you know, and we we kind of turn into this. Um, subtle dictatorship, which we don't even know that we're doing. And yes, exactly. And yet, if somebody tells us not to react, you know, you just want to smack them going, Well, what do you mean? I have a right to feel that way. I have a right, you know, and we can justify it for ourselves. So we have to learn to justify it for the person with dementia so that we can figure out what's making them feel uncomfortable because that's usually, don't you think what, it, what it comes down to They're they're scared, they're uncomfortable. They're um, you know, there's some kind of fear, you know, when people are getting combative, it, it isn't just, Oh, I think I'm going to go smack somebody. Cause it feels good. I mean, usually they're trying to protect themselves. You know, if, if there's an aggressive state going on, that's, that's been my experience anyways. I don't know if that's been yours.
1: Oh, absolutely. Completely my experience. And in fact, I developed a list of questions um, that I've shared with, uh, well, actually, it's had had about 4,000 shares from my blog. Wonderful. And uh, it, yeah, because it's a way of reframing. So let me just read you a couple of clicked on through to the blog and uh, let me see if I can get it so that it's a uh, and it's a downloadable PDF Mm -hmm. so it's 20 questions that help explain why people with dementia get agitated and physically aggressive so for example the questions are things like um, how would you react if your children took away your car took away your car keys and told you you couldn't drive anymore for no reason Yeah, I
2: probably wouldn't be too how, happy how, with that.
1: Yeah. How how would you respond if someone told you strangers would be coming to your house where you had lived alone for decades to take care of you because you couldn't take care of yourself?
2: Yeah, would feel pretty offended and pretty upset. Yeah. Pretty scared of what's coming. How next. would you react
1: if yeah, how would you react if if you wanted a drink and you were told you couldn't have one?
0: Hmm. Yep. you know we'd,
1: we'd all fight back yep and people well as you well know from doing dementia chats and 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 things such as your cruise where you're having people who live with dementia all the time they're just like anybody else yep
2: yeah they and
1: so of course they're going to to react with 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 the, in a way that you know, we might not like, but which is perfectly normal. Mhm.
2: Yeah. And again, it's just that getting people to reframe and step back and go, I mean, just that simple question of how would I react? How would I react to that? I mean, I don't like giving my car up for a fifteen minute oil change, let alone someone yanking the keys and telling me I can't drive anymore. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it's like, exactly. come on, let's, let's get real here. You know, this girl wants to be in control. <laughs> you know what I have? I want my options available to me and that makes my world feel really small, really quick. And, and we're talking big, major things. We're talking cars and housing options and, you know, people that surround you. Um, you know, I are they a friend or aren't they? You know, we hear all these horror stories um, on the news and now you're inviting strangers into my house. You know, that alone, even if they like the person, can be scary just because of, of you know, all the press and stuff that's that's out there all on top of the, the um, stigmas of losing independence instead of, you know, because we, we're not good about... Teaching people when they get help, they can be more independent. You know, we go in the opposite way. Oh, if you need help, you're dependent. And, and the whole point of giving, yes. giving help is to make people more independent, to make them more yes. calm, more happy. But But that's not where we go. That's not how we explain it as a society. That's not what's projected on us. So we have some really big shifts that we have to make in our care culture. That um, I, I don't know how we got where we are, and I guess I don't even want to spend the time to investigate that <laughs> because it would take too much energy. But we really need to look at, re- like you said, reframing things <clears throat> and and changing perceptions and attitudes in terms of aging and illness and in dementia as a whole. Um, let me ask you this: I, I really want to talk about, you know, your your bangs program um, and. And I know that you are a really vocal advocate against, you know, inappropriate use of antipsychotic drugs in dementia care. Can you tell, because a lot of people who haven't stepped into this, they don't really even know what an antipsychotic drug is or how it could impact um, people as a whole. Give people a little background as to, you know, what you're feeling and why.
1: Okay, so this really comes back to the way that we see the behavior of people who live with the, with uh, Alzheimer, in particular, um, and and other dementias as well. So we see this behavior. It seems to us we f- we frame it in a way that it's abnormal, that uh, you know they're behaving in an ir- irrational way, and so in order to stop them from doing the behavior rather than using, rather than changing our approach, which is what BANGS is all about, really. It's about changing our approach. Instead of doing that, uh, people want uh, a pill to solve the problem.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And anti, antipsychotic medications, as the name implies, are medications that are meant to, for people who have psychosis. Mm-hmm. They're not intended for use with uh, on people who have uh, Alzheimer's disease and other kinds of dementias. But as there are no other treatments and people even medical professionals, many medical professionals are unaware of the kinds of Uh, approaches that more positive approaches, behavioral and social and um, environmental approaches that might help to reduce the uh, behavior that is being the responsive behavior of the person with dementia, they're prescribed these antipsychotic medications, which tend to sedate the person. Mm-hmm. and what happened what happened with my mom is that she was given these these drugs, and when she went into long term care where their the staffing levels weren 't sufficient people didn't have enough time, and also they weren't um, their knowledge of how to interact and engage people with alzheimer 's disease was was limited even though They were meant to be a a memory care. The unit that she was on was meant to be a memory care unit, Um, and she was. uh, Her behavior was interpreted as in such a way that um, she was labeled as aggressive. She was labeled as a wanderer. She was labeled as violent, and the dose of antipsychotics that she was given on a daily basis for well, from the time she went in until the time she died put her to sleep she was in a catatonic state for four to five hours every day oh, and yeah and I'm not alone in this mm-hmm. this happens to a lot of people and often you'll hear people going into nursing homes going into long-term care facilities and they see You know, everyone's sitting around kind of slumped over and looking like they're asleep. Well, it may well be that those people aren't asleep. Mm -hmm. It may be that those people are medicated with some kind of uh, antidepressant or antipsychotic because their behavior is interpreted in a way that, uh, you know, it it could be addressed in other ways. But instead, they're given a pill. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I, I really feel that you know I was that uh, I was angry that my that my mom was it wasn't the disease that robbed her of her quality of life, it was the the uh, medication she was given, and the medications, in addition to sedating, they increase the likelihood of people falling because it makes them unsteady on their feet. Mm-hmm. It causes additional confusion. They may also cause, as many drugs do. The reason that the the, the drug is given, it actually causes the uh, person to have symptoms that the drug is meant to address. Mm-hmm. Those are some of the side effects.
2: Yeah, and the the counter uh, counter indications with multiple drugs. I mean, that is something that you know isn't screened nearly as well as it needs to be. And just because a doctor just um, prescribes it doesn't mean it's going to be a good mix with other medications because not all of them are trained in that. And so, you know, you really need to talk with your pharmacist and have those things reviewed. Too because um, you know, one can lead to another, and then they give you another pill or medication to fix that. When maybe it was a mixture of you know, a combination of medications to begin with that could be changed instead of throwing one more thing into it, it's just dealt with by symptoms and not causes. And and I think that's kind of the root of your, your banks program you're looking at causes
1: for the symptoms that's right exactly yeah exactly and so uh the approach of bangs is really to what i i did was i took the work of many different people and my own experience you know for for example uh, i looked at and i attended a training course with tipa with snow who as you know is the one of the gurus in yep. terms of uh changing the way we interact with people and uh, and I looked at the work of naomi'm uh, not sure I'm not sure how to pronounce your name file naomi file file mm-hmm. file and and my my own experience, and I went, okay what what works what worked for me in the long term you know after I'd gone through this learning process? And I found that many of the, the techniques that I was using were also ones that were endorsed by Chiefest the no, Ni Naomi Fail, and, and others, like Dr. Alan Power. You know, the list mm-hmm. goes on and on. They're becoming more and more dementia care pioneers. So BANGS is really an approach. And each of the letters in the word stands for... Uh, a step, a technique, a skill, a, a way of diffusing a situation where you may be having conflict or things are escalating in a, in a way that, that is not productive, <laughs> let's put it that way. <laughs> so the B stands for breeze. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you, you you think is fairly simple and straightforward. But when you get in a situation that's stressful, many of us, the first thing we do is to stop breathing, to hold our breath. So...
2: <laughs> Which is, is very true. You just get mad and you want to scream and yeah, your face gets red. And I mean, your the whole chemistry of your body changes, you know, when we get upset. And, um, and we don't, and, and we, especially in the U.S. here, we don't breathe right. We've never been taught, you know, how to breathe. And so I find it interesting that there's, you know, uh, with the yoga classes, there's a lot of breath classes that are taking place and teaching people how to breathe deep and how to, how to pause. And, um, you know, kind of like when your mom used to say, count to 10 before you react you know, but we don't do that ourselves. We just kind of go off, you know, and react to somebody with dementia instead of like taking just those couple of deep breaths, counting to 10 and going, is this worth it? Is this what I really think it is? You know, what's the cause? I mean, those simple questions change everything in those 10 little seconds, you know, to, to take a deep breath. And and so I, I love that you start out with that because I think breath can change everything, um, and it's it's something we all do. It's something we all have to do. So why not learn to do it more appropriately and more effectively? So I'll let you go on. I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just had to get
1: that. No, in no, that's, <laughs> that's fine. No, breathing is essential, and you make a good point. Yoga breaths are particularly calming and uh, soothing. And if you're also if you're more calm, then the person is going to be more calm. Yeah. So I'm not. I won't go into a great deal of detail on on each of these, but let me just give a, an overview. And then um, if people want to, they can go to my blog, and uh, there's a there's a free hour long webinar that explains the whole approach. Mm-hmm. And there's no attach. You know, there's no sales attached to it. There's nothing like that. It's simply. I'm trying to help people to not get into situations that I was in, Mm
0: -hmm. where
1: things got out of control. Um, So breathe, B is for breathe. A is for, there are three things under A and I'm just adding another one as well, but this ties in perfectly with what you've just talked about, about jumping in. And so the A's are, first of all, to assess. So rather than jump in and start doing something, Try to figure out what it is that's gone on and what is going on. Mm-hmm. That's the same as any um, uh, first responder will do.
0: Mm-hmm. You no, know, they
1: they don't they don't automatically begin to um, give CPR. For example, they t- they take a pulse first. <laughs> they listen for a breath first. So A is for assess. Second, accept that you're the one in control of the situation. The person who's living with dementia has less capacity to deal with it than you do. It's probably more than likely. And then thirdly, agree. Mm-hmm. Just agree with whatever it is that they're that they're saying. Don't try to, uh, as you said earlier, step into their world instead of expecting them to step into ours because their reality is, is not may not be the same Mm -hmm. and one that was suggested to me uh, a couple of days ago which uh, i fully agree with is ask ask permission and so instead of for example uh undressing somebody well it's time to have a shower let's go let's take your clothes off it would be a, a more uh, productive approach might be to say, you know, would you like me to help? Can I help you mm-hmm. go ahead and do whatever the task is rather than presuming that just because the task needs needs to be done that you're going to go ahead and do it?
2: Yeah. Well, one of the things that I like with what you're saying, you're, you're talking about, you know, um, Instead of stepping into their world, a lot of times we step on their world, you know, and it really just takes That's a great analogy. It, yeah. And it's just a matter of, of again, looking at it different. Are we, uh, how are we stepping? Are we stepping up to empower or are we just stepping up to check stuff off our list and get something done? Cause it makes us feel good and empowers us to, to check something off our list because then we feel like we're we're doing something instead of doing something really productive and helpful and supportive and empowering. And so who are we doing these things for? And that was a big revelation for me when I was caring for my mom because I had this big old checklist, you know, that I would <clears throat> run around with and, and it all looked person-centered and I would talk with people and they would all have their little lists and it all seemed person-centered until I realized... One time, when I was asking people about what they had to focus on, they um, they all had this little twang in their voice that said, "This isn't really how I v- envisioned my life," and that's the moment that I realized that um, when we're caring, our our emotions trump our tasks, and if I really don't want to be in that space, it's going to show and it's going to affect how I care and. And how I approach and it's going to affect the person that I'm dealing with. And so I really had to switch and make them be first and not step on their world, but step into it. And when I stepped into it, I decided that instead of focusing on my tasks, I had to focus on three little things, which I call your memory chip. Are they safe? Are they happy? Are they pain free? And when I focused on truly stepping into their world, making sure that they were safe, happy and pain free, everything changed. And then I saw the things that I didn't need to do, that I thought I had to do because nobody told me different and that I had to be totally responsible in in an ABC fashion. And all of a sudden now I see I can make alphabet soup and mix this all up and do it really different. And and it can be really gratifying and joyful when everyone was kind of doing the doom and gloom thing with it. So. Um, yeah, I think what you're talking about is, is the stepping in instead of stepping on and accepting that there is a, a big difference between the two. So kudos to you.
1: Well, thanks. It, what you've just described brings to mind a situation that I had with mom when she was in the care facility. I used to bring her to my home for meal. And uh, sometimes, well, often, in fact, I videotaped and and audiotaped our times together. And on this particular occasion, I was uh, there was a window between, like a pass through between the kitchen and the and the um, dining area, and she was she wanted to get up. She was I was preparing the meal. And she was on the other side and she kept getting out of her chair and she was not very steady on her feet because again, coming back to these medications and I was worried about her. So I kept going around to the other side and, and making her, you know, in a nice way, Mm -hmm. sit down. Mm -hmm. And so I made a, I made a video of this, this little scenario and I, chopped it all up and, and so that it, it looks like, you know, she's constantly trying to get up and I'm constantly trying to make her sit down and, and it's kind of cute. And then I got to, when I got to the end of producing this video, I looked at it and I went, cause I was trying to make dinner mm-hmm. and I was getting frustrated by the fact that I had to go and keep making her sit down. And then when I looked at the video, I thought to myself, you know, dinner really wasn't that important. Mm-hmm. It it could have been, it would have been better for me to go on the other side and go- walk around with her for ten minutes. Isn't
0: that and amazing? Dinner would have
1: been delayed.
2: Yep. Isn't that amazing though? When you get that revelation, you just kind of go, "Holy crap! How did I miss this?" Because it's really a simple, yeah. simple, simple little thing. But we're so busy being busy and and thinking that we're being attentive, but we're really being attentive on a very superficial level. And I think that's one of the beauties of of dementia is once you once you step into it, the level of intimacy on, on just really small little details is so dramatic and so empowering and so calming.
1: And you just kind of go, wow, how did yeah. I
2: miss this all these years?
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah, that was exactly my experience. Very spiritual. Mm-hmm. And, and my connection with my mom deepened. It, it wasn't, you know, I didn't feel at all like I was losing her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, quite the opposite. I felt like our connection was getting uh, was more profound. It was more spiritual. It was more uh, it was richer. The more I paid attention about with um, and focused on being, mm-hmm. and the less on doing, the better things got. Yep.
2: And I, I, I agree with that. I, I explain it to people that I didn't realize there were levels to unconditional love. And she taught me yeah. there were a lot of different levels that huh, I didn't know existed at all. And it just, it just keeps getting deeper and deeper and you just, there's, there's, you can't even really put it into words, but it's just this connection and this calmness and, this level of acceptance, you know, that just grabs a hold of you. And once you've had it, you'll never, ever forget it. You just, you can't because it's so rare out there to feel that loved and that accepted.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's why I feel so sad when I hear people um, that, that, that have, such a negative experience because they see they, they focus on what's being lost instead of what remains mm-hmm. and so their whole uh their whole journey or their whole story with the person who they whom they love it turns into something um evil and destructive and and horrible and it's just it it doesn't have to be that way.
2: Yeah. But that's what And so, so but that's kind of what society has taught us that this is yes. you know it's doom and it's gloom so buckle up for the ride. Yes. <laughs>
1: you know that's That's kind of, right.
2: And and it it doesn't have to be that way and that's one of the things like I I love having this conversation with you because I just feel like uh you know we're soul sisters here, and you know when you when you meet people, even though we haven't physically met, um, just virtually met, it's just it it calms my heart and it gives me great hope to go. Oh, someone else has it too. They got it. They get this, you know. And it's like this little army is being built out there of people who really get it, and are 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 willing to take the time and the energy to spread the word. So that maybe others can learn it a little faster and a little easier, without some of the the heartbreak and the frustration that many of us have gone through, to to get this life lesson. Because I really do think it's a life lesson.
1: I'm absolutely one hundred percent totally on side with you. We are we are completely on the same page.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Totally on the same page. Let me finish bangs before. I mean, we we could probably talk for a whole hour more about just that. But anyway, <laughs> I'm glad you have that. I'm glad you had the same experience that I've had, and I just wish that everybody could have that same experience instead of all the suffering. Mm-hmm. This suffering is not required. Yep. Anyway, so B is for B is for breathe. <laughs> a is for assess, accept, and agree. <laughs> N is, N is for never, never argue. If you never, never argue, you won't get into any fights. Yep. So that's really easy. Just don't do it. G, and this um, comes back a little bit to what we've just been talking about. G is for go with the flow. And go with their flow. Let go of your ego. And that's what all those task oriented things are about and the and the oh the person doesn't recognize me anymore and therefore they're not there anymore that's about ego mm-hmm. so let go of your ego get over it get over the fact that they have this you know whatever uh, alzheimer's or lewy body or whatever it happens to be get over that and get on with making a connection mm-hmm and making the rest of their life and your life while you're with them as, as happy and joyful and engaged as it can be. Mm-hmm. And then uh, finally with G, get down, which is get down to, this is in a physical sense, to, to stop uh, situations from escalating, get down to their eye level. Look them in the eye instead of being, you know, towering over them. Get mm-hmm. down to it. And finally, the S is for, and this always worked every single time, say you're sorry. Sorry, you know, I'm sorry we're having to go through this. This is hard, mm-hmm. which it is hard. Yeah, I'm sorry that, you know, you, you're feeling bad. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that, you know, this isn't turning out the way we've intended. I'm sorry. And, you know, if you're accused of something, just say, I'm sorry I did that even if you never did it. Yep. Yep. And it's, you can't stay mad at somebody who's stay, saying they're sorry. It's, you know, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it's, uh, it, it's not that
2: difficult to do, but it is very hard for some people to, to say they're sorry. You know, it's, it's a, for some people, their, their worlds are very black and white. And you know it's it's either this or it's that, and I think you know um dementia is really a rainbow of colors and and of opportunities, and you know it it's not about being right or wrong; it's about focusing on comfort and contentment, and you know is somebody safe um happy and pain free again. Uh, You know, when we focus on those things, that's truly person-centered, that removes our ego, and it really makes it all about them. And, you know, when someone else who we love is is joyous or content, we we get some of that, too. Just like if we're angry and walk into a room, they're going to mirror it back. We get to mirror their joy. You know, we get to absorb their contentment. And you know, there's not enough of that around. And so if we can multiply that, that's a that's a really cool thing to be able to be part of. And um so again, it gets into that whole, like you were talking, reframing of dementia and
1: yes. what it
2: looks like yeah. and what, what it can yes. look like. I, mean,
1: I had a yeah, I had a, a comment on my blog the other day that from somebody who is obviously in a great deal of pain. She says, D- "Dementia is an evil monster," and somehow uh, this poem, a particular poem, says it all. It was the hardest four years ever, going through this denial, anger, violence, as Mum tried to come to terms with what was happening to her. Then the awful time when she could do nothing for herself, or talk, or eat. And I mean, it's just like it's this long, slow train through hell into oblivion. It's so sad. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah it, it when really it, is. As you say, it doesn't have to be that way. No. No, it really it really doesn't. And um but it but it takes conversations like this for people to and and for people to be brave enough to pop something like this open and listen to it and and, and really listen, you know, and be afraid to not try something different. I mean, the worst that's going to happen is it's not going to work. And, and, you know, if you're here already, it ain't working. You know, <laughs> you're looking for answers. So um, and reframing failure, um, I think, is another big thing that we have to do as a, as a universe is looking at our failures um, really as gifts of getting closer to finding an answer and, and learning new ways. Instead of being embarrassed um, or worried that we might fail, we should be, we should be embarrassed of not trying. And, um, you know, because what if it does work?
0: What if it does work?
1: Yes. Yes. And I, I learned so much from the, from the failures that I had. Mm -hmm. All the failures are the reason that I'm here now and able to say, I'm not afraid to say I did this and I'm not afraid to show well, here's a situation where I said this, I did this, this is how I proceeded, and look what happened. Yep. It was completely wrong, yep. which I share in the in the web, in the hour-long webinar that's free, again. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and it, it, people can find it by uh, searching for BANG, B-A-N-G-S, on my blog. And I give a couple of scenarios that, that clearly demonstrate all the things that I was doing wrong
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so here's the wrong stuff and here's the right stuff here's how you can avoid doing what I did and ending up where I ended up on that particular occasion so if you use the, the bangs approach you can be more successful than I was faster
0: mm-hmm
1: yeah. And so I, that, as as you say, you help people not to have to experience the negative things that you let them make their own.
2: Mistakes. Yeah. And then please be brave enough to share those mistakes with others, you know. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And give the next hand up to somebody. Um, don't don't be shy about that stuff, you know, celebrate the triumphs and and celebrate the things that don't work out so well. Because again, there's a there's a lesson to be learned from everything, and for me, I found you know one of the most powerful lessons that I learned was to ask, and it sounds really simple, and some people might think it sounds really goofy, and and that's you know that's you know them to decide. But I learned to ask in every situation, what's my lesson? And when I went in knowing there's always a lesson with the good, the bad, the ugly, it it just. It made me look at it different, and it got rid of the embarrassment, and just said, "I can, I can learn. There's something to be learned from this situation," and it it helped me remove the embarrassment or the awkwardness of it, and made me really excited to figure out what is the lesson, so that I could then share it with somebody else and and help them. You know, lend a hand out to to help the next guy, maybe avoid whatever it was that I had to learn and maybe they won't have to falter and fall they'll just be able to hear it and go oh yeah i can avoid that detour you know when <laughs> that crisis yeah I, and that's um, right that's right and go Have you moment. heard
1: the story of the little girl and the and the room full of manure? No i have not heard that one. <laughs> okay so the, so the little girl goes uh she's uh brought to a, a house one day and and uh w- opened she opens the door in one of the rooms and she finds the the room is full of manure you know this uh, big huge stack of it mm-hmm. and she goes oh my god and she runs she says to the person with her do you have a shovel and uh the person says what do you mean it's a room full of manure and she says, well, damn, there's got to be a pony in there somewhere.
2: <laughs> yep, looking at the right side. Well, that's wonderful. Um, Susan, I can't believe our hour is just about up. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you?
1: Well, they can go to my blog, which is myalzheimersstory.com. And if they want to contact me, they can uh, simply go to the contact page and send me a note. Um, I would love for people to subscribe to the blog. You can do that by going to the subscribe part, which is at the top right-hand side of every page. And if you, when you do, when people subscribe, they get uh, let's see the free links to downloads of free P- the three, five PDFs, one of which is the 20. 20- questions that I read from earlier on and yeah watch the bang seminar cool and I hope that it helps yeah I hope that it helps people to defuse and de-escalate potentially confrontational situations and that as a result they get to build relationships with their loved ones who are living with dementia and that it it all turns into something good instead of something you know that's to, some tragedy that's to be avoided
2: well good well uh, S- uh, susan i can't thank you enough for spending time with us today i really truly do appreciate it and again go check out her blog my dot com, and check out her banks program i i think um <clears throat> I think he got a good taste and flavor of it, um, but there's there's more to come. So, to, so definitely check that out. Um, I do want to just give out a shout out here to the Alive and Social Network, which we broadcast from, and um, give a shout out to Rachel Perrin, who is the culinary director for Kowalski's Market along with her uh, producer and sidekick, Adam Lee. They do a lot of things about uh, food, uh, foodtastic um, meals and snacks and um, trendy nutrition things and everything kind of yummy for your tummy. Their show is called What's for Dinner Tonight. Their podcasts average about 15 minutes per episode, and it's perfect when you're busy yet hungry and trying to figure out what, what's for dinner. You can also go to kowalskis.com. That's K-O-W-A-L-S-K-I-S dot com. And um, get complete menu ideas there. And don't forget to jot down and um, check out our Dementia Friendly Cruise. We're doing November 11th through the 18th this fall to the Caribbean with Holland America. It's going to be a fantastic time. You do have to... Um, Go through our travel agent, Kathy Schoff, to be part of our group. But just go to alzheimerspeaks.com and you will find information there uh, regarding that. Uh, What else do I want to tell you? Our last Dementia Chats, which is a video interview of people with dementia. We talked about the importance of social media on relationships. On the blog, you can find out more information about that book giveaway of Maria Shriver's uh, Coloring Your Mind, which the Newman Long Term Care Group is, is giving away. Um, and you can also um, help spread the word and also register for a caregiver um, getaway. Um, the homehomecareassistance.com <clears throat> forward slash move for minds is giving a weekend uh, away for caregivers, and they've got a grant to do this for 60 people. So um, sign up. you got nothing to lose. And don't forget about checking out the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation. They just do a lot of really um, cool work in a holistic fashion. So wrapping up the show, I want you guys all to have a wonderful and safe week, and we will talk soon. Thanks, everybody. Bye now.